everybody, we're back for another edition of the Bald Move Commissioned Movies podcast. Uh, this time we're talking about the 1995 psychological crime serial killer thriller directed by David Fincher, Seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, optionally spelled with a seven instead of a V. Seven in in seven C seven in. Yeah, uh, the poster doesn't have it. IMDb spells it with a seven. Really? Yeah. Huh? Because I was looking, and it seemed like the common spelling around like the reviews and Wikipedia was with with the V. But yeah, let's talk fifteen minutes about that. Please. To yeah, um, it's really it's a bold decision <laughs> on all parts. So this was a community commission, which means a band of intrepid bald movers came together and uh, piled their money in one pot and, uh, uh, and made this happen. Special thanks uh, in particular to Fernando Rodriguez, Flash Gordon, Jefferson B., Katie Gutierrez, Coca2MC, Pool Jedi, I like that one, okay. Martin K., Shock G11, Keith Alejandro, uh, Ryan L and J my J N S T N sixty nine. Wow, J okay. my J nasty is how I J like nasty. to call him. My nasty N sixty seven. Uh, they all pulled together and, and made this happen. So thanks to all of you. We've got feedback yeah. from uh, the, I, I, I as I usually do in the community commissions. I solicited feedback. I got feedback from some. We'll consider later in a podcast. Uh, Jim, what do you think of this? So first of all, have you ever seen this movie before? Not all of it. Same here. Seen bits and pieces on TV. Wasn't really allowed to watch it about the time nope. it came out. So nope. I was a uh, senior in high school when this movie came out. Oh, wow. Okay. Which makes me feel pretty old. <laughs> uh, I had not seen all of this movie either, but the vast majority of it, you know, yeah. uh, was, you, you, it's like any other movie that uh, it kind of enters the cultural milieu. Uh, a lot of that got spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Having said that, I thought that watching the movie was super entertaining. It holds up better than I was expecting in mid-90s. Like, I was expecting this movie to be kind of 90s as fuck. Yeah, it has tinges of 90s, but less than I expected. I mean, it's kind of like in that Matrix style where they, with with the way they conservatively dress, you know, these guys could be cops in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. Uh yeah, there's the 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 vehicles are going to be dated, but like in in the very same way that they I feel like intentionally this this movie is supposed to be timeless. Like it's supposed to happen today, whenever yeah. today is. Uh something about like I don't know if it's the ADR that they do, like the the looping of the voices or something, but like it it the recording of it feels a little 90s, but mm. not overly so. Like I, a lot of the you know, thematically appropriate dark scenes right. still feel very good. The other thing is, I realize that I've almost seen all of David Fincher's work, with a few notable exceptions, and right. I haven't even, you know, sat out and like, oh, I want to see all the works of David Fincher. It just yeah. has kind of come naturally. Hell, we've commissioned a few of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gone Girl, I saw. That's the only one of his feature-length films I haven't seen. Uh, Fight Club, Seven, of course, The Social Network, Girl the Dragon Tattoo, have not seen Zodiac. Okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal, another serial killer yep. movie. I have seen Benjamin Button. Uh, I haven't seen The Game. Have oh, seen... no, Benjamin Button I haven't seen. I have, uh, oh, you didn't? I thought no. you had. Uh-uh. Uh, I have seen Panic Room and Alien 3, and then he's got yeah. a bunch of other ones that no one's seen. So uh, what would you say the defining nature of a David Fincher work is? Oh, uh, mood? No, I don't even know, because like, Social Network doesn't have a real mood to it. Yeah. I would say it's like I don't know it, it his look is heavily processed. 
Okay. Like the I don't think I, he doesn't shoot much l- shots that look like there's a lot of natural light in there. Maybe Benjamin Button's an exception, but everything's like very heavily processed with like you know greens or blues, desaturated, yeah, gritty. I'd say gritty uh, look to it. He's okay. also I'd notice he had a background in a lot of music videos. Like that's kind of how he got his start. So I think mm-hmm. you get some kinetic. He did a suit and tie, yeah, with Jay Z and Justin <laughs> Timberlake recently, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was like, I know he did a lot of like Madonna stuff. He did, yeah. Um, so again, I thought the movie held up; it was entertaining. Um, oh, if you're if you're going for David Fincher stuff right now, I know the the guys doing direct Eric and Levi just started up David uh, Fincher's yes. collection. They just did Alien Three, so we'll see. I think that we're gonna have dueling reviews here there pretty you go. soon. <laughs> uh, I feel like that. This movie had a reputation for being like just super over the top violent and yeah. gory, mm-hmm. and it just shows the state of the art, man. Like I sure. thought this was kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely would have been shocked by it as a thirteen year old or whatever yeah. when it came out. <laughs> but you know, I wonder like that's the thing. Like I've seen the movies that this probably movie probably enabled to be made, and yeah. they're like you know nowadays just stuff so gonzo, right? Uh, you know, in any given season of Game of Thrones, you've probably seen worse than... Yeah, people handling their own guts. Yeah, and like... and, and also, like, um, I'm usually turned off by, like, torture porn type thing, and this is kind of, like, the main plot of the movie is about a guy... It's almost like the other side of Saw, like law enforcement going after this crazy serial killers doing all these over-the-top contraption-based killings. Mm-hmm. But you don't... You're not usually there for the person suffering and fear, and that's I guess that's the thing that I don't like. I don't like watching people suffer and be afraid for very long periods of time sure uh except for the one sloth guy sloth uh, guy by the way we are now going to be spoiling the shit out of the movie so if you haven't seen it if you're one of the few aarons and jims floating around it's in 20 years we're 20 years on yeah with this movie now so but i will say that this movie has a fairly big twist that um yeah. would probably be better if you didn't know it so mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it uh go off and, and watch it it's widely available in a lot of streaming services and right. then come on back when you got that under your belt. Uh, I forget why I was issuing a spoiler warning. Because you were going to talk about the hardcore violence. No, I already kind of finished that off. Oh, the fact that this is the other side of the Saw experience. Um, and, you know, it was fun to kind of look through. I, I thought it's interesting because, um, like, the cops are just so aggressively stupid in this film. Like, Pretty stupid. Like Martin, yeah. Mar- just they just don't care. Yeah, like they're they're <laughs> they just don't give a fuck about these crime scenes. Yeah, like Martin um, Freeman shows up. Not Martin Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Morgan. Does. God, <laughs> it's getting worse, man. I don't know if I've got another. Lester five from years Fargo shows up. <laughs> <laughs> um. He shows up and to the crime scene, and he starts asking you basic questions like, you know, did you chill? And they're like, what? What's with this investigation shit, detective? Right. Like, yeah. I haven't seen this kind of aggressive police stupidity since Matrix. Jurist my addiction crap. Right. And it's that way the whole way. Like, they, they can't wait for this guy who's actually good at solving crimes to retire. Yeah. Presumably, they, so they can save. I mean, the other thing, they Make never dis- establish what city this is, right? It could be. I mean, I assume it's New York, but. It could be, but it could be Chicago. It could be Baltimore. Like, there's nothing yeah. that I felt. It's, and I feel like that's an it's another like this could be any time any place like any big urban area this could be in. Although I, 
I have to imagine the landscape that they end up driving out to at the end does not exist in New York. Oh, so, it could be upstate, like heading upstate. You think so? It? I mean, it looked like a desert to me. Was it desert? I thought it was, but oh, maybe I not. thought it was maybe like not. if when I think back, I thought it was like like wheat, but it could be desert. It could also be wheat. I don't remember. So yet another stereotypical, uh, you know, uh, ABQ. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Like yeah. it's getting a reputation. Uh, Seven goes down there. Breaking Bad goes down there. Um, should we talk about the 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 finer points? Um, I've forgotten that Kevin Spacey was the bad guy. I never knew he was. So I guess we were both in the same boat there. I mean, I knew his his as soon as I heard his voice, um, it was On immediately front, yeah. recognizable. But mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that he played, uh, you know, this 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 crazy person. Um, what do you think? There are a lot of cameos in there in general, like such as stuff that, like I wasn't expecting to see Arlie Ermy in oh, there sure. as their boss playing not his typical role. Like I think this yeah. is the first non-military screaming, yelling guy that I've. Uh huh. You know, he's definitely a gruff, no nonsense type, and he's not ready to take sure. any guff off these guys. But you know, he, yeah, he's like the captain or whatever. Sure, didn't threaten anybody. Didn't threaten to fuck anyone in their eye sockets. <laughs> right. You know, uh, fair, uh, fairly normal, hinged performance. There's also John C. McGinley's in there. Who the hell who, is he? He's the guy from Office Space. Uh, who He's a consultant from Office Space. Oh, who, right. Who comes in and he's one of the Bobs. Right. Uh, yeah, he's in this. I was surprised to see him. Uh, there were a couple other people who well, I recognized. The, the highlight of the movie is Gwyneth Paltrow getting killed. Right. Although, sadly, yeah. it didn't take place on camera. Sure, uh, uh, and if you're if you're new to Bob, that I'm just I I have a visceral, uncontrollable, probably diagnosable dislike of Gwyneth Paltrow's face yeah, and her whole thing. I guess I kind of understand it, but not totally. Like I'm hmm. not sure where because I know we talk about the Iron movie, Iron Man movies from time to time, and you're always like fuck Gwyneth Paltrow, but right, I I never quite understood why she was exactly. all right in Iron Man. Yeah. Then she her essential paltritude uh, reasserts itself in two and three and and declines the movie quality. Uh, she's fine in a beautiful mind, I guess. Wait, I don't know. She's not in a beautiful mind. It, yeah, isn't she the daughter of John Nash? John, uh, oh, does she play? Oh, I don't know. Russell Crowe. I thought you were saying like surely you're not mistaking the incomparable Jennifer Connelly for Gwyneth Paltrow. Like they're completely different types. And is that it? Might be her. I don't know. Uh, that's the his his Can't wife. Remember. Oh no! Partner no, I think it was his daughter. Uh, I also thought that like the other thing is like this opening title sequence th- was kind of crazy. Like it hits you with the Trent Reznor and like Dustin. Yeah, just, it felt very almost like a, a TV quality uh, title <laughs> sequence. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that pejoratively. I'm talking like oh. you know, um, it just felt like conspicuously this is a title sequence. And the movie right. takes yeah yeah uh, the movie takes place uh, completely over the next like it, it, it's all confined within a seven day period, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is you know as is my want I tend to review things by picking at nits. Uh, did in in balance it doesn't really bother me when I'm watching, but when I was thinking about it, working on my notes, did it balance you that the the seven killer has these crimes that he set up with. With like within the one case, there was up to a year. Like he had been strapping that sloth guy down for a year, yeah, and like you know photographing and all that stuff. The fact that he was able to fly around and do all this stuff and be 
completely under the radar until this one last final week. And also, it felt like he should be targeting some grudge with Morgan Freeman's character. Right. So I didn't understand the motivation because that's leaving your last two deaths to like, oh, this new detective that flew in and got assigned to my case. I'm going to fixate on him. It felt like that this was his end game, that he had everything's triggered that was going to happen right here, right now with the seven crime, the seven deadly sins. It felt really weird and kind of out of nowhere for him to fixate on Brad. I mean, they they gave it, it also, a good reason because it, sure he saw you know how nice everything was and how, well not like that, but he was like he 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 was part of the ones that found him and they violated right. his civil. Maybe this is just he's pissed because they violated his. Uh, fourth amendment rights but it felt like a character betrayal honestly like john doe is a very methodical calculated person and to change up this plan that's been going for over a year on the fly when he sees brad pitt come into the picture think was going to doesn't make any sense did he think he was going to do because that's the thing is it's funny because morgan freeman one of the the dichotomies interesting incongruities here is morgan freeman set up his life so that he would not have these pressure points that right. John Doe used on Brad Pitt's character to make him fulfill his little, like, you know, if Morgan Freeman had been in that final shot, what would have been in the box? Right. His retirement plans? Uh, yeah. Yeah, his 401k. Yeah, like that's... His pension. And he'd just open, he kind of raise his eyebrows, a slap on the cuffs, and it'd been over. That's like the yeah. one thing that feels like a bit of a plot hole that he would leave... It is. The last two pinnacle crowning achievement kills. It's just so poetic that, you know, he envied Brad Pitt's normalcy and his lifestyle. And, you know, there's, right. so he was in and he got murdered. And then Brad Pitt uh, becomes Wrath. Of course, the other thing is, in what world does Brad Pitt get brought up on charges? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, he kills like, John Doe. He kills him for killing his wife. But in, in the real wife, world, yeah. John Doe would have been reaching for a weapon, or may, he right. lunged at him, and he feared for his life. There and, are no witnesses but cops here. Like, yeah, you could see him getting away with this, and for especially sure. since this is a multi-mass murderer, and he's a kind of crazy guy, and he did just present the dude's head, the wife's head in the box. Like, I don't know what jury convicts him. But I don't know what prosecutor. Sure, I, I don't know that the boys in blue cuff him, put him in the back of squad car, and even like that just doesn't. That's also felt. And I don't real. know that I would want them to. Frankly, yeah. like I, I'm about fairness, not necessarily like penalty of law sure. at all costs. But sure, I mean that you know standard and, disclaimer about vigilanteism, and you don't want to encourage right. that shit. But. Perfect information, all that kind of stuff. Here, here we know they did nothing. This guy killed him uh, to play a game with him. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. I guess that he would go to prison for that. Uh, the other interesting thing I think about. Kevin Spacey's character, John Doe, and Morgan Freeman's character, uh, Somerset, is that they're pretty similar. Aside from, like, actually acting on their their um, feelings, I guess, mm. toward the general population, mm. like, there's a lot of apathy in Morgan Freeman's character. Uh, there's a lot of, like, disdain for the general population and kind of their feelings, uh, his feelings about apathy, right? Like, everybody's apathetic, and he kind of hates that fact, but it's a reality. He wishes it would change, but it won't. Kevin Spacey, John Doe, on the other hand, is doing something about that. He has the same feelings. Right. He's just acting on them. So, like, you wonder if they're trying to draw a particular parallel between those two characters and then say, here's the line. 
Mm-hmm. Here's the line between Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and even Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Yeah, oh yeah, Brad Pitt is much more like sees the good in people, and he's still he's still a greenhorn, right? But he's also much more aggressive, less measured, less intellectual. Absolutely, yeah. He's always like, we just got to go out and do something. I don't know what it is, we got to do something. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman's always like, read this book on Dante. <laughs> yep. uh, read Canterbury Tales. Which I always thought that was funny. That's like a little joke about the two personalities as he gives him his reading list and Brad Pitt goes out and gets cliff notes yeah. and everything. Yeah, why not? Uh, which I would be – that's the other thing. It's like – None of this Dante, sh- like, as far as being the, the detective, none of that really helped them. I guess the fact that this guy would be researching it, and that's an in- another interesting point. Like, in 1995, it was seen as, like, oh, my God, cops can do that? They can look at a reading light? And there's some kind of a – in like, where nowadays, it's like, I, people just assume, um, you know, we make jokes about it all the time. Like, oh, we just talked about something that's mildly illegal. Oh, we're on the, we're on the watch list now. Right, you're like, talking about how they they track him down through yeah, his library records, yeah, back to his apartment, yeah, right, uh, right. I imagine that would have been shocking to some people at the yeah, time, but now, in like twenty years later, that's just we assume the law enforcement is doing that all the time, proactively, yeah. not like you know, and in a lot of cases, we know they are. Yes, uh, that's that's the more <laughs> the scarier part about it. We know they are because they've said they haven't, and then. It, it got leaked out that they did right so uh you know it doesn't doesn't quite inspire confidence as as a citizen uh yeah. what did you think i mean they they do a lot at the beginning so so we talked about the end because also the other thing that, that i want to say on the same subject because brad pitt uh completely violates proper procedure and um pawns i mean it's just so funny because we you know we just watched like making a murder less than a year ago and mm-hmm. serials two years ago and how um, you know, I don't know if people think that Stephen Avery is guilty or Adnan Syed is guilty, but most people say, like, well, even if they are, the police royally fucked up on stuff. Sure. Brad Pitt's trying to, like, set a new record for fucking up. Like, they're essentially, uh, you know, I, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a, a, a police officer, but just going in there and then paying a homeless person to say whatever you want... Uh-huh. Like that shit. If if they ever if they ever did try to prosecute John Doe, they're fucked. They're yeah. fucked. From, like at a very uh, at a very beginning level. And why does Brad Pitt not want to wait for like thirty? I mean, because you get a search warrant so goddamn fast, right? For his apartment where he kicks in the door. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like you just had this guy actively shooting at police officers, and like there's. The, you again, you'd get a, and then as soon as you get in the door, my God, it's a treasure trove of this information. Yeah. By and the other thing is, if you improperly handle it, then all of a sudden all that stuff could be sealed off or considered fruits of a poisonous tree, etc. I just it, thought that was super. That's another thing. Like in 1995, that was kind of edgy. Whereas nowadays, it's almost like we kind of assume that uh, the police are violating our civil liberties in the course of pursuing. Justice. Right. I mean, they could so easily in that situation just manufacture some probable cause, right? Sure. Yeah. However they want to. I mean, you know, usually a crime scene's not that insane. It's, you know, where you've got photographic evidence and, like, DNA right. everywhere. And, and all trinkets from the scene. Like, sure. Like, all sorts of stuff. You know, it's stuff where it's like, oh, this guy owns a gun and it's kind of the same model and there's some blood and, like, but who knows where the blood came from. And yeah. I, I thought that was in a post- you know, I don't know what you call this generation, like a, a post-war on drugs society where, you know, the it, it, it's it's become like a passe thing in Hollywood. That the cops are the bad guys and they're corrupt. And right. 
it's just so weird to go back and see like this was kind of an edgy thing in yeah. 95. It was. Uh, it was, in fact, like Brad Pitt is made to look like he doesn't care at all about due process or any of that stuff. Um, and it had me wondering, because they do a lot in the beginning also to hint at this, if he wasn't actually the bad guy, if he wasn't, in fact, John Doe at some point, because like, uh, or, oh. or working with him, because at the beginning, they're all like, why the hell did you come here? Why did you want this case? And Brad's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm huh. just doing my so thing. You, so you didn't even know about Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box? No, I had heard the line, what's in the box? That sort of thing, but I didn't know what it was. Okay, because I feel like that's that seems silly to me, but that's because I was viewing the lens of knowing of how. Course, I, yeah. I was trying to say, okay, well, I know the end, that, uh, how do they arrive there? But you're yeah. right, they did set him up. I imagine a lot of people going into this with virgin eyes, because this was a kind of a sleeper hit, I, I gather. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was not, you know, you know, David Fincher wasn't David Fincher, and there wasn't a lot of stuff kind of expected, mm-hmm. and it just kind of got released and it blew up. It was, you know, it was one of those word-of-mouth type of things. So I imagine a lot yeah. of people in the theater, for the first time, they would be thinking that, oh, this Brad Pitt guy smells a little fishy. Right. It seemed like it to me, and he's it, as he's with Paltrow, this is just a bad, this bad deal all around, <laughs> right? And it, like, why does he want to be here? Why does he want this assignment so badly? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then when he starts kicking in doors and like doing all sorts of stuff to really wreck the case against John Doe, you start to wonder even more. I wonder, as an audience in '95, if you're rooting for Brad Pitt or you're like. Because I felt as a 2016 audience, I was like, listen to Morgan. Yeah, me too. Not just because he's the wise black man in every movie, but because he's actually <laughs> sure. like, he don't, you know, if I didn't know how to movie into that, that would have been another ironic end if they actually get him dead to rights. But mm. like, you know, he's going to get off on acquittal because yeah, they fucked up the evidence, man. <laughs> they fucked up the evidence. Yeah, but then he's also got some stuff about that, that I think is dubious, like, you know, if you're ever in trouble, and this might be why I think it was New York, but if you're ever in trouble, instead of yelling help, yell fire because people want to crowd around a fire and watch. And I can't believe that's true. Yeah, that's the kind of – I yeah, I mean, people say that, but I don't know. Like, I, I guess maybe I'm naive and I expect the good in the humanity, but I feel like in right. an urban area, if you scream help – you're going to get at least people call 911. I would hope so. I would. I think so, but maybe I'm just naive yeah. about how it really goes down. In, Could be. Could be. We grew in up in corn. City. We grew up in cornfields. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, if I heard someone help in a cornfield, I'd run because I'd assume it's a monster. But you know, if it's if it's an <laughs> urban it's an alien, yeah, it's an alien. That's you know, it's probably allergic to water. Yeah. Uh, but in urban, yeah, that's that's probably just people. It's just people. Yeah. People need help, and people are preying on other people. Uh, speaking of preying on other people, serial killers in real life. So I know this, this has been done to death a thousand times over, like this idea that a serial killer reads some book or watches some movie or consumes some piece of literature or pop culture that sends them on a killing spree and they pattern themselves after it. Right. Yeah. Is that a real thing or is that a literary device? Is that a storytelling device? Because I looked, I tried to look into it a little bit, and it didn't seem like there was anything quite as literature based as this in the history of serial killers. Yeah, I mean, they do have patterns, but they don't tend to be like I'm going to recreate this fictional thing that I read. Yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you're right. Now I've heard of copycat killings where a serial killer will inspire another serial killer. Right. But, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a type of unhinged personality that 
even if some paranoid delusion led them to recreating like the red dragon in the case of like Hannibal or, or if they, if they did, uh, you know, this thing where they want to do Dante, I feel like by the time it actually came down to doing the killings, it wouldn't be anywhere near as operatic because they just don't have uh, the patience. And yeah. And I know there's different types of serial killers. There's some that are like, you know, like, like a true, Died in a little psychopath can be otherwise normal functioning, but yeah. just and very not... charming, like all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, but but yeah, it seems like the ones, but the, but then again, they're not the ones that do like big. They don't dress up like they they don't like fucking make skins out of people, and they don't uh-huh. cut off heads and put them in freezers. <laughs> Those types just they just get off on murdering and the cat and mouse. It's not so. It's like one or the other. You get the super intelligent Hannibal Lecter types. Mm-hmm. Uh, who probably wouldn't engage in the bloody gory things that Hannibal Lecter does. And then you've got the ones that are like Jack the Ripper where he's, you know, although I guess I, Jack is Jack the Ripper. Good. Cause example, because he did the, it's close. It's toying close with the I police and, yeah. and saying, you know, sending things you know, like saying that he's from hell and, Right, that's about as close as it came to like patterning right himself after. But what was he patterning himself story. after? That's the thing. Like he kind of wasn't. He was just playing games. But like mm-hmm. all through movies and literature and you know cinema in general, they 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 have this trope, I guess, which is the it's like a super serial patterned killer. serial killer. Yeah, I, I mean that's it's almost like the same as. It's almost Batman-esque, right? That it's essentially a larger-than-life version of what you already have. Like, you got a bank robber. Well, now he's got a clock on his head. And right. He's got to rob things right at 420. And <laughs> Wait, no, that's that's the grass man. I got my guys confused. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, like, the Joker is kind of like the Batman version of a serial killer, right? Sure. But they're not yeah. that interesting or colorful. Right. Which, you know, you, know, you, you look at between, like, Guy just like Gacy and um, uh, Dahmer, like they're already yep. plenty col- colorful, quote unquote, colorful enough. Sure, clowns and cannibals, yeah, right, yeah, that's already crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you want to make this, I mean, this shit was kind of like cinematic and poetic, and 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 yeah, definitely squicky. Like the man was fed until he exploded. Yeah, let's talk about that. I so what what were what was he fed? Those plastic bits. What was that? So those were linoleum shavings, I think. Oh, right. Which led, I mean, that's that's a really obscure clue, uh, but it led Morgan Freeman to examine the floor, which showed that the fridge had been tilted tilted away, which showed that there was gluttony written in the right. background. Okay. Which, like, what the fuck, John Doe? You're already you're going to paint. Was it uh, greed? You paint greed and blood, and then you're going to have like some UV enabled thing behind the fridge, like. What is your M.O. here, man? Maybe he was like, oh, my first one was a little too subtle. They didn't pick up on it. So mm. greed, I'm going to make it more obvious. Right. But the greed <laughs> one came first, didn't it? I or thought I... gluttony was the first one. The huh. the guy that they force-fed spaghetti or whatever. Until See, I thought that the, the, the news reports were about this famous um, district attorney or prosecutor that had been found murdered, but we didn't actually go to the scene until... Hmm... Maybe. And they didn't know it was the connected first scene at the time. they go to, I guess. I mean, that's, that's the thing. is like they did, he, John Doe didn't want people to make the connections that fast. So he made Maybe. the one yeah. that's like, you know, he went crazy. And then the other he had to talk. Because like, that was in a public, not a public, but the guy's office. Yeah. So whereas this guy with the gluttony guy, he had all the time in the world. Yeah. Because you know, he had an interesting mix of like nobodies and f- semi-famous people. 
Uh-huh. Like the one lawyer was a, a high sh- and the model presumably was famous. But yeah, then... so the lawyer got one of the other guys off, like one of the other killers, right? Right, which I thought that maybe this was going to, John Doe's going to have some personal connection, like someone murdered his child and he's going on some kind yeah, of crazy revenge thing. But no, it just seems like he was uh, a weird version of Unabomber, kind of. Right, just proving a point. Or just moral, morality. He yeah. saw all this. He's essentially a um, more villainous version of Rorschach from The Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, later on... prostitution, right. and, you know... Did he, was he, was he, did he have a buck up his ass about homosexuality, too? Uh, I don't remember. I thought... I don't think so. I, I was just thinking, because I think that's... Um, you, it's kind of a stereotype and a trope to think that, like, you know, uh, cl- people that struggle with the things that they abhor... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's raised right. and, and, you know, that maybe because Kevin Sw- uh, Spacey tends to kind of always play characters with a little little bit of that flavor to him. Sure. Yeah. Um, even when he's like super presenting a super masculine like Frank Underwood, he still like turns out surprise. He's at least bisexual, if not yeah. just full on gay, mm-hmm. um, whatever that means. Uh, but yeah, I, I I wondered like because he was just going off about like, you know, the prostitution and like nobody cares and how it's just this, you know immoral society and no one does anything about it and he's going to do something about it i don't know what this yeah. is supposed to, what like did you doing god's good work what was he hoping to accomplish i i mean he says it he's hoping that once this thing goes down the way it goes down people will take notice of all the horrible things around them but and be forever changed like it, that's not how it works no, man man no one event people are going to go like oh isn't that horrific they'll post a couple of th- they'll put an overlay on their facebook picture for a day right and, and then next week, week it's forgotten donald or hillary will say something crazy and it's on to the next one right uh yeah and i, I mean personally i think god can do his own dirty work like, sure <laughs> you don't have to do god's good work for him right but yeah that was his motivation uh not sure why he chose brad pitt uh, on the fly like that, but still. Do you think that um, what did you think of the middle, like the the middle of the movie speech where uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman square off about you know which view of the world is right? Do you bring children uh, into this world that you know is rotten? Do you? I mean, I guess I always I side with Brad Pitt in that I don't understand that even if you are. I don't know if you if you're a homicide detective and you see the worst of humanity all the time, maybe that is a worldview that you could have. But right. on the other hand, don't you at some level recognize that the the whole world doesn't work this way? And if it did, what would the world look like? Okay, like if if like I, I imagine like if the world worked the way Morgan Freeman did, it would be like have some kind of spider ecology, where just be like just all the time unthinking unfeeling wanton violence and yeah. preying upon people but if anything the human beings seem like we're wired that like we're kind of at maximum dick level when things are prosperous and good and then like when something like a disaster happens suddenly like yeah shit this is human suffering on a scale that you know it's like maybe fuck some of these people in particular but it's probably some good people in there we gotta help it's sure. really weird. Like we, our best, our best is only revealed in times of 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 the the, the maximum amount of suffering. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know as far as like bringing kids into it or whatnot, but if you if you want to change something, you have to combat it. 
you can't just hope it will go away. Yeah, I mean, I could see so definitely. Like, I'm a murder detective. I see a bunch of scary shit. I don't want to. I mean, I I will probably fuck up a kid if I try may, to armor maybe, them yeah. to my sufficient levels of what I think you need to. Be, or, and right. it's like I just don't need that. And also, like I, you know, the other thing it seems like with being a detective is what is more interesting than trying to catch a murderer or trying to solve, you know, trying to get justice for a, a victim. Uh, and so there's probably attending, like, if you're really, really good, like, you, you know, this is a really tropey, but I always imagine real life, like a pe- a person like McNulty from The Wire, mm-hmm. a person like, you know, Morgan Freeman here, Somerset, or Brad Pitt's character, that, y- is it fair to get married to someone that you're not, you know, you're, they're always going to be the B plot in your life? Is it fair to bring a child that, you know, wants uh, your unconditional on, love? And I think it depends on how they feel. Now, the child thing, they have no choice in, so... Yeah. Uh, but with a wife, I feel like it would depend on how they feel about it. Yeah, I like, guess that's true. Are they okay with having that role in your life? Right. Um, with a child, yeah. it's different because they just get what they're dealt. Like, right. So I don't, I don't know about children. But also, like, you can't just throw up your hands and say, well, that's how the world is and I'm I'm not okay with it, but I'm not going to do anything to stop it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying go to, you know, John Doe levels. To stop it, yeah. And but what does Morgan Freeman like think not bringing it, someone in and educating them is not a good way to stop the. Patterns. And what would it look like if a world wasn't app? I mean, I guess you can be as non apathetic about the moral decay of society again, whatever the fuck that means, as you want. But at the end of the day, crazy people going to do crazy people going to do. You're still going to have sure. people, you know, fly off the handle and crimes of passion and crimes of insanity and all that stuff, and they. Yeah, you know, I guess it's kind of like if, if if you do the job right, it's it's very selfless, like in the way of a soldier, where you're essentially giving, sacrificing your quality of life so that others can have. I mean, don't you want at the end of the day, if you're a, if you're a murder detective for the people in your district to be able to go about their lives in blissful ignorance of the worst of humanity? I would think so. Like, what would the world look like if everyone had fully, you know, had looked at the world the way a homicide detective looks at it? Oh, man. People, there wouldn't be much joy in it. No. <laughs> no. no they, there would they not. They would see all the apathy and uh, they would become Morgan Freeman, I guess. Right. Uh, can I just say, it is never, no, no matter how old I get, no matter what walk of life you're from, it is never not funny to hear someone shouting dicks. Like, they shout dicks so many sure. times in this movie, and every time it makes me giggle. Right, because they're referring to detectives, right? Right, okay. yeah. Yeah, dicks. But they're just shouting, dicks, dicks. <laughs> I love uh, it. What's that one from the, we always joke, laugh about, about the, uh, it was from one of the diehards? Oh, yeah, it's, uh, there's oh, those dick, lines. this is nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dick, this is nuts. That's uh, one of my favorite lines ever. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, did, did this movie also seem to cater to like the intellectual slash pseudo intellectual crowd? Like, okay. hey, I remember Dante from high school. Oh, and sure. Loud yeah. is there, there's a Hemingway quote. Oh, yeah. Like, that's yeah. kind of, um, you know, informs like, you know, Mad Men's very, very self consciously that. Yeah. Like, how many fucking pop reference but but not like super uh, but but like no. accessible like if you have a college education you'll probably get most of what they're pitch, pitching right. yeah uh do you think that he set out consciously to like hey i'm going to um in, uh, offer this kind of like intellectual attaboy 
Like you don't need the yeah, understanding, the so. references to enjoy the movie. But if you do, then right. you know you feel like you're on the case with the detectives, right? And you know the the, the Dante stuff is so like that Inferno stuff is so ubiquitous within pop culture that it's not like people don't get it. Yeah, and it's also super 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 s- surface level. Right. Like, it's essentially a couple pictures and, you know, some depictions of, like, what the seven circles of hell are and the seven deadly sins. There wasn't yeah. a lot of, like, you know, metacritical literary analysis going on. Of course, Which you wouldn't yeah. expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, what else we want to talk about? I mean, this is kind of a straightforward movie. Uh, they investigate yeah. the crimes. There's the metronome. What do you make of the metronome that... Uh, Somerset's got going. I don't know. Don't know. Is he waiting out his time on the planet? Is he waiting out the days of his job left? I just thought that that he smashes it and then gets back in the game, right? Yeah, I think that shows that he had kind of gotten this system of detachment and his own apathy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and that was like he was content to just to kind. And I I gotta say, as a black cop that was bragging about retirement and never having to fire a gun or shoot a gun in 34 years i'm like wow you're just asking for you're it. you're the, the the death odds on you have got to be astronomical he sur- yep. miraculously survives he does he way to subvert our expectations there david fincher right so to me it was a representation of his own apathy yeah like oh he's become the very thing he hates and he's he's okay with that uh until he's not right yeah what did you think about Somerset's dinner party with uh where he gets poured a bucket of wine. Yeah, and into like they, a glass. They, they 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 lapse into giddy laughter over the subway uh-huh. uh and the damn realtor and I thought, A, holy shit, Gwyneth Paltrow, you're just gonna invite your husband's partner over for dinner without telling him? Right. Like right there while he's in the same room? Yeah. Like what at if- least Give me a heads what up. What if this guy's a total asshole? Right. Which, uh, by the way, Brad Pitt seems like that's what he was saying the whole time. This guy's kind of an asshole. Uh-huh. Don't want him in my house. But they collapse in his gig to the point where, like, I I joked with you. It was like, did the subway rattle like a helium line? Or, <laughs> right. or No, no, right. a nitrous the, the, oxide line? Like, what's going on? Why are they just collapsing in laughter? Right. You know, the, it goes by. It breaks uh, the nitrous line in their apartment for I, some reason. I wasn't sure, other than I guess you had to establish some kind of feeling about Gwyneth Paltrow's character so that when she's murdered that you'd understand Brad Pitt flying off the handle. Uh, right. I don't know. That scene didn't do much for me. Yeah, Because it's either. it's also, you know, again, don't don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. Sure. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? I mean, there's this, like, they kind of, like, there's a little verbal duel between Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt in the squad cars. They're driving out to get the, you know, the FedEx of the head. But, like, that's a fairly one-sided argument. Like, I don't – no no person would actually be like, you know what? Kevin Spacey got a point. Of all, of all, of all the ways that we saw people killed in this, what's, what's your least favorite – what's your least favored way to go? It's being stuffed with spaghetti. Being fucked it, with a sword would be pretty bad. That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, like, your most sensitive spot and you're getting fucked to death by it. I don't like that. I would think, like – Maybe the person who wasn't dead was like dismembered and then like strapped to this bed and not and just neglected for a very long time and then wasn't dead like woke yeah, up. Yeah, I mean that certainly being like you, desiccated if, to that point. If oh, you if your quality, if if I mean certainly if you're talking about torment equaling the the length of time that you're yeah. being tormented, it's hard not to argue with sloth. 
Right. He had a really bad that's way. Spaghetti sauce guy or spaghetti guy. Uh, and that, that's you... not good. Like being fed until you externally ex- or internally no. Ex- explode. No good. How, uh, how do you how do you uh, cast that role without offending somebody? Cast what role? The the uh, gluttony guy. I think you just cast <laughs> him as a latex dead model. <laughs> no, it's a dude. That's a dude. What do you mean it's a dude? There's a dude who plays that. That character. The body? Yeah. Because he's never alive, is he? No, he's never alive, but it's okay. a guy. Huh. I just figured it was a latex death model. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know if it like the no, we... guy's actually that big. But sure. But I mean that's the dude. thing. Like, you know, we talk about like what uh if you get casted because you're a hideous, ugly person, right. or you're like an old crone, or you're a big fat dude, like, you know, yeah. or you know, the same way with like uh uh Peter Dinklage. Like you know, sure, uh, we, hey, we got a dwarf role. We we need uh, Peter Dinklage. But on the other, I was looking at the. I was, I was watching Mad Max again because it's on HBO, and I fucking cannot escape that movie. If I'm flipping through and and Fury Road's on, I'm like, well, I guess this is what oh, I'm doing Fury for the rest Road. of the night. Okay, but they got like you know, uh, tons of people with really fucked up diseases and deformities huh. and and they're playing you know they're, they're essentially playing bit roles in apocalyptic wasteland i'm thinking there's this one uh kind of deformed dwarf character who's one of the, the big bad guys and i'm like man like that must stink yeah, to like you get the role oh I'm, I'm playing a twisted freak right uh, i'm playing uh and not man in a way himself to death like like two seasons ago in american horror story they had a whole f- season of a freak show but yeah. they at least you know one the I, I could see them agree acting in that because number one it's a job but number two like every one of them got a nice humanizing storyline like they actually right. spent time yeah. talking about like you know what what it's like to be perceived of this and how they're you know we're all people underneath Whereas, you know, some of this stuff is... I, I don't know what that feels like. I'm a nondescript white dude. Like, I could if, be... I could be right. anything but a leading man. <laughs> okay. You know? Uh, maybe with a 300 workout, you could do it. You could do it. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Being on that side of it, like, the casting director or whatever, I don't know how I would deal with that. Like, I, I need mean, someone work, right? who is obscenely fat, and I need right. someone who, like, probably already has issues uh body image issues mm-hmm. like i don't want to reinforce that but we need this role i yeah yeah casting Holy shit that's the thing like casting always when i read a casting sheet i'm always mildly appalled yeah because there's just no artifice at all it's like i need I bet, yeah. a cholo looking latino that's going to talk like a right. fucking ignorant and and you're going to play a drug dealer and that thins the brakes kid yeah. um or like it's like it's always like just super you know, if you got any kind of, I, I feel, I feel like that's just as an actor, you got to get over it. If you got any kind of body issues right. or something like that, that like that, you got to like, you know what? It's the character's the character, and like, <laughs> not super excited about this casting sheet, but whatever, it's work. And you know, every once in a while, like, what were we talking to uh, Max Arseniega, the guy who plays Crazy Ed in Breaking Bad, and he's like, man, uh-huh. it's cool. I've played tons and tons of gangbangers and drug dealers. It was nice to get like a showcase moment with with brian cranston yeah like you know you go in to be a person not yeah, a character i'm going in for yet another drug dealer but i look at the script and i'm like oh thank god i actually get to play a human being too like i i don't know i'm i guess you're always hoping for that or this right. is on for the next one i don't know 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. My girlfriend and I were riffing about Wallace Shawn the other night. <laughs> yeah. And how he must be cast and just like... Yeah, he's always playing a Wallace Shawn type of character. Coming up with a story where I, it was weird. What do you a, do? A Wallace Shawn disease gets into the the water system. Yeah. And and it turns everyone into Wallace Shawns and like... <laughs> what do you do when you walk into the casting cattle call of the fat the guy that eats himself to death? Right. You walk, and you're not reading any lines. You're just going to walk in there and like, shit, yeah. I'm not the skinniest guy nor the fattest guy. There's no way I'm getting the part. <laughs> like, if I'm, if, I'm not, if I'm not the fattest guy in this room, I might yeah. as well walk out, right? Might as well. So, sure. <laughs> and it's like, well, that guy might be fatter, but I got weirder lumps. Okay. Maybe that'll, it's like, right. I, I don't, I, yeah. I don't. Maybe they're going for a certain look. Yeah. I have no idea. Not just fatness. I have no, that's, that's the weird thing about the, the Hollywood underbelly that, uh, you know, that's, that's wrapped up in a lot. Like, you know, the reason that so many things are non-representative is because it all starts with the casting, uh, sure. guys and gals. Uh, the one last thing I do want to say about the movie is it has a soundtrack that really works for me. Like mm. I'm. I mean, about that time I was listening to these things like Nine sure. Inch Nails and Gravity Kills, and David Bowie's new newest album at the time. Mm-hmm. Like that was a credits song, right? The yeah, David yeah. At the end, mm-hmm. Hearts Filthy Lesson. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I I really love the soundtrack of this movie. There's not much to talk about performance because Kevin Spacey was doing his Kevin Spacey thing, and Morgan Freeman's doing his Morgan Freeman thing. Brad Pitt's doing his Brad Pitt thing. But I thought Brad perform- Brad Pitt's performance at the very end was weird. Very weird. Yeah. And I don't I mean I I don't know how you play a guy who's that kind of filled with testosterone and ennui and kind of caged animal feeling and you find out your wife's been beheaded by this fucker. Right. That's been trying to tell you this nonsense the whole and you it's the ultimate realization of how senseless it is because it's it's not going to change anything. Like sure. and now it's just ironic that yeah, he's the movie of the week but he killed your wife. I don't know, but I felt like whatever you feel, Brad Pitt was channeling the wrong thing. I thought so, too. And I okay. thought there were some odd acting choices from Brad Pitt kind of across the board. Really? Because uh, that was the first time where I'm just like, what the? F- what is he trying to emote? What is he trying to feel? Is it rage? Is it pain? Is it sorrow? Is it despair? Like, I, I think it's all of them at once. And, and it's it, just it, like, man, you should have maybe picked one or cycled through them. Yeah. But trying to taste the rainbow. <laughs> You know, pretty much. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Brad Pitt may be the weak link in acting in this movie. I mean, it's come on. It's Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey. They're incredible actors. Brad Pitt, also very good. But, mm-hmm. you know, and this is still fairly early on. For I Brad was going to say that's I mean, the other thing. Like, he's still four years away from doing Fight Club. Right. So you kind of he's growing into his own role as an actor. He just fell off the river runs through it truck, I think. <laughs> uh, Did he? This. I just I, got a haircut. Just. Chopped off the locks and yeah, I mean I don't know because I was I was trying to see what what like what his previous filmography was before that, but um, it's it's got to be pretty close to yeah. He had interview oh interview the vampire okay so he did river have runs locks. through is ninety two so yeah he does right. he, he he river run through the vampire and then landed in and this so wow and that's the thing like okay I thought river run through it required him to look like a super good looking young dude sure. An interview with Vampire required him to also be a super good looking young dude. There was it right. didn't didn't really stretch. And to his credit, for being a super looking a super good looking young dude, he has like I don't think he's ever been content to just like do that. He's done a lot of different stuff over the years. Right, and I think his choice of projects have all been really good. 
Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, this and, and going forward mm-hmm. in his career, done some really good stuff and has gotten to be a much better actor. Oh, he squeezed in Legends of the Fall in there, too. There's a... Uh, What's the movie with him and Robert Redford where he's a spy? That was really good. Uh, yeah. I know what you're thinking. I cannot. Spy Game? Spy Game. Was it Spy Game? I think it was the Spy Game, yeah. Huh. For some reason, it's not showing up in his uh, filmography, but it's it's all, it's it's all, I mean, oh, he did California in 93? I don't know. <laughs> I it's, it's a weird performance. It is. It's very strange. I think it's Brad Pitt trying to figure out how the hell to act. Spy game. After doing a couple movies where he didn't have to, so maybe I don't know. Yeah, or maybe David Fincher just was just just speaking in tongues, and he's like, ah, just trying to do everything. (laughs) But it was that was the one, I guess, performance. The performance wise, that was the one kind of uh, slight weakness in it. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to move on to feedback? Sure, let's do it. Uh, Keith Alejandro says, I love this movie. It's what put David Fincher on the map for me. I worked at a movie theater when this came out, and it's one of the few films that was an unexpected hit. And he said, parenthetically, it was number one for five straight weeks. Due completely to Hmm. positive word of mouth, it eventually reached $100 million box office. Whoa. It's creepy in that it doesn't. And that's back in 95. That's when $100 million meant something. (laughs) It's creepy in that it doesn't show. Now it's just pocket change. It's creepy in that it doesn't show you the gruesome acts, but it lets you imagine what happened. And in some cases, it's much worse. I. That's often said, but. I, I guess I don't know why. Um, I mean, I can read accounts of torture, like you know Salem witch trials and Spanish Inquisition and you know all the other uh, heinous shit. But like seeing people tortured, just is something I can't handle. Yeah, can't fucking handle it. Um, so it's like I guess yeah, it's like seems seems like that's the same thing as like you know sexiness. Like uh, sometimes what you don't show is more alluring than what you do. But sure. in this case, I feel like yeah, the aftermath is certainly not as bad as as the the current stuff that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would later later learn that the hallway scene was lifted from the final chase shootout of Dirty Harry. Yep. Uh, he has fun facts that he gathered from the movie's uh, commentary track. Morgan Freeman's character is supposed to kill John Doe in a script, but Brad Pitt insisted that his character wouldn't idly sit by and let it happen, and he won the argument. And in Revenge, David Fincher directed him to act like a... Com- <laughs> no, that, that part I'm, I'm editorializing. Right. Uh, Wait, when was that supposed to happen in the movie? At the very end. Like, I can see the script, like, you know, okay. that Morgan Freeman was seeing what was going to happen, and Brad Pitt's this young yeah. guy with a promising career, and he's already burnt, and he just do, he takes him out. So they wrote him dropping his gun or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, but I, because I kind of agree with Brad Pitt. Like I, 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 yeah. I, I it seems like it, the way it went down is better. Yeah. Uh, also, Brad Pitt sliced his hand open in real life in the chase scene when he hopped over the back of the cab, which shut down production for a bit. So okay. that's also <laughs> whatever. Leonardo DiCaprio wouldn't have shut down production for that shit. <laughs> what are you? He'd have acted to? right through it. Django Unchained. Oh, that's right. When he smashed his yeah. when he smashed his hand on the skull and, and cut himself, continued filming. Yeah. Sure. And then you got Viggo Mortensen, like broke his foot and, bro- and lost a tooth during Lord of the Rings, and just kept right on, <laughs> right on going. Did he even notice? Did he even notice? Yeah. So like the take where he broke his foot is when he kicks that orc helm when there's this big pile of bodies that are being burning and in frustration, and then he immediately Man. he immediately sc- starts screaming and drops to the ground. And they use that as like, oh, Aragorn's overcome by grief and frustration. But that's actually take where he breaks his toe or whatever is in the movie. Jeez. Uh, so there's something I learned from the commentary track of a completely unrelated movie, folks. 
Uh, Katie Gutierrez says, uh, I first saw this movie in theaters and before anyone had a chance to spoil the ending, which is the way to see it. It's absolutely shocked and disturbed me and kept me thinking about it for a good long time, which is my gauge for a good movie. Like The Witch, hint, hint. I know you saw it. Talk about it. Uh, <laughs> why didn't we talk about The Witch? Because we didn't get around to seeing it until like three or four weeks after it was released and like, eh, yeah. that's kind of lame. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it sometime, but yeah. I don't know if this is the maybe, proper maybe context. Maybe a lunch topic. Yeah. Uh, since then, I think I have owned 7 on VHS, Yikes, DVD, and now it's sitting on my Apple TV. It holds up, and I love it. Not just because I love a movie where Gwyneth Paltrow meets her doom. Contagion, anyone? Ah, girl <laughs> after my own heart. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, again, the fact that the movie held, I was expecting it to be kind of dated. And right. in the margins and its sensibilities and the way it treats, like, these true crime kind of things, it is. But mm. not fatally so. No, absolutely not. And I, I still think it's a really good movie, uh, despite, you know, a small... Small or big plot holes, um, yeah. and, and you know, and, and being seeing it dated. back in the day where this like this kind of level of violence and grit was uh, still uncommon in the cinemas. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, just think like if you go back twenty years before this movie, Godfather was released, and Sonny getting massacred at the well, that's shocking, and yeah. like you know, some guy getting shot through the eyes, like you know, and someone getting strangled, like it's every. Tw- I mean, what in twenty years? Horse what are, head. Are, are, are do we ever like revert back to where we'll go? Uh, with like you know, pull away from the shocking violence as, as, as for twenty thirty years till the. I don't know where you else you can go worse. beyond like human centipede, right? Like where do you go from there? Hostile and like oh saw and all this shit. I don't know how you go any farther. To be fair, when I I would have never thought of human centipede before I read about it. I'm like fair enough. Jesus I mean, Christ! Like yeah, there's still. I mean, I feel like the re. There's still stuff you could do with children and babies and like, you know, if I'm just sure. shooting off if I'm just shooting off the hip of what I want to see in my torture porn, that or, like just that's just shocking on a like a societal level. But I yeah. feel like if I mean that's where you're probably gonna go. Like just even more exploitive yeah. and more things that make you feel even worse about yourself as a person. Movies with literally no plot, just all torture. Like. I mean, kinda like in in the same way to porn. Sure. Has gone from like <laughs> right. movies with a pretending to be a plot and to right, just the what they call and... Gonzo, where it's like it's uh-huh. the guy in the camera in a hotel room and he's going to rail this girl. Right, you're uh, lucky if guy. you if he acts like he's a pizza guy, sure, or a plumber, yeah, for thirty seconds. I haven't seen one of those in fifteen years, to be honest. <laughs> sure, yeah. uh, I, I I I mean, what do they have? Well, there? now it's all like teachers and the, oh, I guess they uh, do. People that. have a bizarre obsession with. Step siblings and shit. Yeah, I, incest. Yeah, oh big thing. God, big I don't thing. know what people's thing is for that, but it's, it's all over. It's the place. taboo. As, as it's uh, you know, we're hardwired so. to think taboo things are sexy, and I'm going to judge people's kinks because, uh, you know, I've got them too. <laughs> sure. Uh, you're you're into the the furries though. That's, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I like this, and it's not just any. Like I got to see a male fox getting fucked by a female kangaroo with her wow, tail that's awfully specific with her tail and she's gotta be hopping up and down <laughs> if, if if and it's all about the hop anything in the pouch what's uh, in the pouch the, pou- what's in yeah, the, pouch? the, the pouch is a nice little yeah you're always wondering that you get the reveal at the end and that's Ooh, like and you it's know, grizzly and he, yeah yeah it's uh shit uh let's move on <laughs> to uh fern uh aka fern from new york city 17 that's how uh nyc 17 that's what uh there are that's how they go around on the forums mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite movies definitely in my top 10 this would have been my second commission if it wasn't for the community commission list call me morbid but in terms of how rewatchable it is 
Whenever this film is on TV at any point, I have to sit and watch it. I also made uh, it also made me go to the library and take out Dante's Inferno and buy a metronome. Buy wow. a metronome? This has Are, become a lifestyle choice for Fern. Did you get an Inspector Gadget get up too? Because <laughs> you're just trying to become Morgan Freeman at this point. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that. You know, start, uh, you know, start uh, doing some uh, nature documentary commentary. Just right. work your way up. Yeah. Into it. Uh, anyway, for purposes of this community podcast, I'll ask my questions and comments as bullet points. Hail of bullets, he's got. Oh, boy. Where do you think this film takes place? Being from New York, I said New York. And we already Me discussed too. this. I thought New York, but I can't Could be Could be sure. Chicago. Chicago's got subways? No, they don't. They have the L. They have the L, but it's also subways in, in certain parts. Mm. It's like Seattle. Okay. Okay. Like um, where the train runs underground sometimes. Yeah, you have to have a, you have to have a functional subway yeah. in, in your city if you want to claim seven as yours. Uh, in all the John Doe murders, we only see the aftermath, except for the last murder. L.A. Could it be L.A.? It could be L.A. Yeah. Could it? L.A. has a subway system. Yeah. I feel like the down the, 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 the I don't know like L.A. in the parts that look like this movie is not as vertical. I think you're right. And also I also think just, you're uh, right didn't, about didn't that. Didn't feel sunny enough. Like everything was very yeah. dark and rainy, and, and the architecture felt like New York to me. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Uh, we only see the aftermath except for the last murder. I don't know what you call... I guess the, the sloth guy was still aftermath. Like, because that's not even a human being that there was left with. Right, he's alive, but it's still... Right. After the crime. Would this film lose or gain anything if they showed the murders earlier by flashbacks or quick cuts? It would It would certainly made me much more uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. Uh, maybe nowadays that's what kind of would have... It would have needed to really hit me. Because, like, I've, you know, I've seen Saw and Human Centipede and mm-hmm. all that type of shit. So, like, it didn't affect me in the way that I imagine it affected audiences in 1995. So when did Saw come out? Saw came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I've been watching Saw's forever. Uh-huh. Um, 2004 is the first one. Okay. So, I feel like this two, Saw is a direct response to Seven. Sure. Like, I see that. It is essentially what you're wanting to know here, Fern. Like they that that guy whoever directed it had the same question. Like, oh, well, what if we yeah. made the protagonist the serial killer, and we really got into, you know, the victim's experience and all that? Right, and he's doing the same thing. He's punishing some perceived moral yep. degradation. Uh, Fern is on to me. So, Dayron, I know you have no love for Gwyneth Paltrow, but I thought she pulled off the fish out of water roll pretty well. I could see it. Also, could be that she didn't have many speaking lines. By the way, I once read in an interview that Robin Wright was rejected for the role and the Christina Applegate turned it down. Whoa. That's interesting. Christina Applegate, too big for a David Fincher production uh, well, in 95. But, Rob, so, Robin Wright, I always think of her as cool and detached. Like, even in Princess Bride, that's kind of her initial character to create, that she is aloof uh-huh. and teasing the farm boy, and she kind of plays that ice queen well. Um, maybe that would have been a good match for, for, uh, the Brad, because could I don't be. know. Cause, cause the story with, with Brad Pitt is that he had moved her here so he could further his career yeah. and they don't like living in the big city and this wasn't their family plan, but by God, he wanted to do it. And she's a little resentful around the margins about that. Yeah. But and she's worried about bringing a kid into this city. Like that's the other thing you we can't didn't raise, talk about at all. You can't raise a baby in that apartment. If every 15 right, minutes the world's right. going to end and helium and, and, <laughs> and nitrous oxide is going to be released and you cannot raise a baby there. You're you're right to be concerned, Gwyneth. 
Yeah, that felt like it was there just for the impact of, oh, and she was pregnant, Brad Pitt, to to drive him over the top even more. Hmm. Like, I I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess it's serviced in some small way, Morgan Freeman's character as well. Uh, so the next question uh, is going to require a bit of... Uh a bit of uh, research here. Um, so, and he says, how did this film not win best picture in 96? Here is the, okay. here's what they're going against. They're going against uh, Braveheart who won, which there you that's, go. That's well, I mean, but Braveheart's not, it was easily a more pleasing film uh, to audiences. Certainly. Uh, Apollo 13. Oh shit. Was uh, nominated. Yeah. Yeah. That's a much better movie. Babe was nominated. Uh, whatever. Um, which I, George, it's hilarious. George, George Miller, the director of Mad Max and uh-huh. Fury Road, directed fucking Babe, Babe? and That's... Happy Feet. That is that some is really range weird. you got right there. Yeah. El Pastino, which I've never seen, and Sense and Sensibility. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, some of these. Some of these Oscars in the 90s are a little kooky because to me, if you're telling me Braveheart was the best movie that year, that's a pretty down year for movies. I don't know. I really loved Braveheart. Leaving uh, Las Vegas was that year because I saw I, Nick Cage got uh, oh an award for it. That feels like a better movie than all than, than honestly all of these. I think Apollo 13 is better than all these. Hmm. I would have voted for Apollo 13. Uh, Bridges, yeah, there's some Bridges, Madison County. Ooh. Oh, fuck, Casino? No, 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 no. You, so what? you get you, Casino or Leaving Las Vegas should have won. Okay, Casino's really good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so I did get it did nominated for Best Film Editing Seven, but yeah, I mean that it's it's that's a weird year. I'm not saying Braveheart should have won, but it's hard to put for me to put uh, seven over those uh, movies we just talked about. Uh, Morgan Freeman knocks it out of the park in this film. Yep. Um, I wonder how much this movie in particular led to his because he got it went down in that uh, in the world where detective roles quite a bit. You know. Oh right. Yeah, he kind of did. Like he's um, what was the bone collector? Wasn't he in that? Right. I think and so. And it's a bunch of others that I can't think of. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much this like boosted his career by being in Seven. Sure. I mean, he already had a pretty stellar career to begin with. Hmm. Uh. But, I don't know, probably didn't hurt. Uh, the sloth murder. Do you think it's actually possible to pull that off, or do you call bullshit on it? The rest of the murders seem plausible to me, but this one, I can you keep a person alive strapped to a gurney for a year if you fed them through a tube intravenously? While they and chew their tongue off. And you look like that, presu- can you? And presume, that's the thing, right. like, I don't see how you can look that way and still be alive. Yeah. I'm with you. And smell like it's you're deading rot. I mean, I, I and the other thing is John Doe was not a doctor. Like if they made him a doctor, like you know, Hannibal Lecter, I believe because he's super intelligent and he's got lots of disip- interdisciplinary skills. Sure. Kevin Spacey just seemed like a dude that you know, got beat in Sunday school a little bit too much. Doesn't right. seem particularly bright. I mean, you know, Kevin Spacey plays baseline fairly bright, but he didn't seem particularly bright or skilled. And he's got all these, you know, he's a photographer, he's a porn prop designer, he's, he's got a lot of, he's, he's got to have some kind of medical uh, in, information to know that you can string a person along this, this, this far. You would think so, yeah. The other thing is, like, I don't know that he planned for him to be still alive when the cops found him. 
Like he might have like mm, stopped checking okay. in on that guy weeks ago and just you know been just as surprised as anyone he's still alive. Could be. Uh, what is your favorite deadly sin murder? I don't. The favorite? My favorite? Like the one I want to go out and try? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask this. Like, there's like if you ask a saw fan what's their favorite saw contraption, they'd probably be able to tell you. Where right. I'd be like, they're all horrifying. The one that's okay. least horrible. So I'm like, what I mean, spaghetti. Least- at least I get to eat a lot of spaghetti, and as long as it's cooked well. But it wasn't. Sp- wasn't it like beefarinos, or it was like a can. It was canned, like spaghetti. I thought the sauce was canned. Maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, shit. I could go some for some Chef Boyardee till I die. Why not? <laughs> I that's practically gonna, did af- that in my twenties. After you, <laughs> I was gonna say, after you move off burritos, you're gonna rotate to Chef Boyardee. But you already went through that. Yep. Um, my favorite. What's the so? What's the least? I guess my favorite uh, is uh, uh, Brad Pitt because he put a bullet through a psychopath's head. Okay. I mean that's probably not what you're wanting, but that's yeah. that's my that's my honest answer. Like all the others are are you know kind of gross. Yeah. Wrath. Wrath is my favorite. Did you you said the the beefarino one? Gluttony. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, what what was your impression of the what's the vanity the sin called pride? Uh. What what was your thoughts about that? Like the that woman was who model. was given a choice to either like disfigure herself um, and call for help or kill herself. Yeah, that felt the closest to Saw because she actually had a predicament that she could have escaped if she wanted right. to. I yeah. mean, yeah, I do. That's not a choice I'd make, but I've never been known right. for my extraordinary beauty. Sure, you know what I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I if guess that's your life. My thing would be like, what if I woke up seventy five IQ points short? Mm-hmm. And somehow was able to realize that in the loss. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, that that's sure. where, like, would I... I mean, because that's another, like, another way to say, like, I've often thought about this. Like, okay, paraplegic, I lose a lot... I, I, if I lose my legs, I still... The way I interact with the world has not fundamentally been changed. You know, like, like at what point from, from that to full-on Metallica's one, right. do I'm like, all right, I'm ready for death. Yeah. Like at what point is there, but the other thing is like, you know, if you're in a, like a, uh, what do they call it? Locked in? Is that what they call that state? That's like when, when oh, you, right. when you, you can't communicate, yep. you're, you're, but you're still completely aware of yeah. your surroundings. Yeah. So I'm wondering like if you, cause of late I've thought about, I was like, well, that's clearly you'd want to die. You, you know, you'd be clicking your tongue and telling people to kill you. But like, I wonder if you like push through that. Like if there's a way, like you know, because you can like, like a Stephen Hawking situation, right? Yeah. Like, like you're, you're super bright. You, have this horrible disease that that takes away all your faculties, and then like, without that computer, uh-huh. holy fuck, that guy's life would be hell. Yeah, uh, I feel like that as long as I had the ability to take in information and communicate with the outside world, I would still want to live. Which is why you're a podcaster. <laughs> but but you know, it's like if either yeah. one of those was interrupted, I feel like you know, if you if if you were you couldn't take in any more information. And you couldn't communicate, then are you even a real person at that point? Sure. What is that? And, and it's funny because like, Rich, uh, Roger Ebert in the years leading up to his death right. wrote pretty eloquently about this really massively 
communicative, intelligent person, the frustration he would face at like dinner parties and being with his friends. And like the only time he felt like super happy was when he was writing columns and stuff like that, because like it's just he couldn't keep up with the speed of conversation. Right. Like by the time he'd scratched out a note that wasn't exactly what he wanted to express, the conversation was 45 seconds down. And, you know, like other people, like they're nice and he's Roger Ebert and like, you know, you feel bad for him, but there's still that kind of like they're frustrated too. Right. We talked about this in the X-Men review. Like if you're yeah. Quicksilver, what is it like to interact with someone? I feel like that's the other side of that How did we get on this topic? Uh, the pride. And, oh, and pride. Whether or not what you, you kill yourself. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, like if I was just defi- disfigured. I, yeah, yeah. I'd definitely call the cops, and I'd try to sure. get this fucker nailed. <laughs> right. You know, and I'd go through life with a slightly more fucked up face, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if, if I could... Uh, what about you? You're prettier than I am. Oh, yeah. I'd take that option. I'm not one to uh, want to kill myself um, yeah. at all, so... <laughs> the other thing is, like, not being... they did, You know, you have a much higher premium being young and beautiful as a woman. Absolutely, yeah. So and especially if you've built your life around that. Like, yes. I mean, your whole infrastructure crumbles at that point. Like, you can't make money. You're probably homeless. Are your friends going to be just as vain as you are? Like, Yeah. And that's, that, that's probably that's lose all everything the fears you've are got. going through your head. So. Right, right. Uh, where does this rank in David Fincher's films? Not at the top for me. Not at the top. Uh, honestly, like, with my personal interest i think social network is better social network i think is better uh, fight club i think is better Fight Club. uh that's probably but it's it's in the neighborhood it's certainly in the neighborhood yeah i like girl with the dragon tattoo but i don't it's somewhere around that one i like it as well but then i've seen the original which is much, I, yeah. much longer and much better so i haven't i i'd rank seven somewhere with uh Either above, right above or below, girl with dragon tattoo. Okay, the game's also good, but not not quite there. Uh, moving on, Nine Inch Nails closer remix opens the film was so good at setting the tone, and yep. it's funny because I'm like, whoa, I didn't expect. I like, who scored this film? Because we bef- we didn't realize it was Trent Reznor, um, but it, we said like this sounds like a Trent Reznor score. Yeah, which did did he score later? Go on and score the Social Network, didn't he? Yes, I was right. Trent Reznor scored that, um, so they was able to come around. But uh, wow. I remember you. I, I said, "Who scored this?" And you said Howard Shore. And I'm like, "No, yeah, this is so far out of his fucking envelope." But then it's like, "Yes, we at, at the end when right. I think there's a little sample of him. You get me closer to God or whatever." And we're like, "Oh, well, that's that's obviously Trent Reznor. Yeah. This is a Nine Inch Nails song, and that's yes. the thing. Like they mix the score and the soundtrack pretty uh-huh. effectively." Indeed. Uh, but the other stuff is much more Howard Shore, I'd say. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, Denzel Washington was originally cast to play Mills, but turned it down saying it was too dark. Thoughts? Too dark. I think he's too okay. young at that point in his career to play the world-weary detective. He, to, to play Mills, to play Brad Pitt's character. Oh! Yeah. Well, shit. Okay. So he'd be right on for that. He'd be right on for that. Uh, I, yeah, I, it is pretty dark compared to the stuff I saw Denzel doing. Although he did Training Day, which... It's pretty fucked. Well, even like um, Man on Fire. Have you seen that? The Ridley Scott, what is that? where he'd like uh, they uh, kidnap one of the Fanning girls, and he uh, he and he's like their their protective agent, and he has to go and like you know kill a bunch. It, it's funny that he turned it down, right. and later he did something like that in Training Day. I guess, yeah. But maybe when he's you know he was, he was young and and baby faced, he wanted to. You know, protect his career a little bit more. Not yeah. take take that many chances. But I mean, working Too alongside dark. Morgan Freeman at that point, 
I wonder if he knew. I wonder if he knew that Morgan Freeman was going to be in there because that seems yeah. like a good move career wise. Yeah, to be in a Morgan Freeman film. Yeah, and, De- and Denzel can definitely turn up the intensity. I would have liked to oh, see yeah. him seen him try to play <laughs> off the end scene uh-huh. and see what his what, what choices he he makes. Because yeah. he does a pretty good righteous indignation fury. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's that, uh, what is it, John Q. Public or something like that? Yeah. Where he does a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Final question. In the new, in the final scene where Mills and Somerset are driving John Doe to the final murder location, Mills and John get in a heated argument. John says to get people's attention, you can't tap them on the shoulder. Need to hit them with a sledgehammer. Implying that the world is so sick that normal murder doesn't do anything. It needed to be spectacle. Miller responds saying that John Doe is nothing special and he's doing his and doing his work will be forgotten. At best, he's a T-shirt or movie of the week. Who's right? In our current world we live in, if John Doe performed these seven deadly sins to murder to its completion, what happens in society? Anything and nothing? I think they're both right. Well, I think you do have to hit people with a sledgehammer to get them to notice anything. But you're not going to. But even any- when you do that, it's yeah. going to be forgotten. Yes, and also when you're when you. When you advocate for the society's return to puritanical, essentially, times, mm-hmm. that's never going to get traction because the world, like, sure. you you need a bigger sledgehammer. You need uh, a fucking meteor to hit the earth. Yeah. You need I mean, World, world Wars war III. hardly even do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. You need, like, an atomic war between the yeah. big power nations to get something to where societal change would, would shrink back to that level. Right. Um, you know, because... You know, the society that John Doe wants to live in is terribly hostile to minorities, women, uh, intellectuals, uh, homosexuals. Sure. Anything that's not John Q. Yeah. Or John Doe, rather. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I don't know. And there's plenty of people like, you know, uh, it's one dude that shot up the outdoor uh, screening of Amy Schumer's train wreck. Because the women are getting too uppity, like that's oh, John Doe's of the world, and uh, until I just now thought about it, because of your question, I never thought about him. So no, those fuck those people. They'll get ground up in the pages of history, and and life yeah. will go on. He sure. needs a much bigger. If you if you want to bring about some kind of societal movement on that scale, you need a much bigger sledgehammer. Yeah, I mean the the thing he did was not a sledgehammer. No, it was like a ball peen at most. <laughs> you need. Something way bigger. I mean, like, you know, like, what's more shocking than a guy I mean, going into a nightclub and shooting 50 people? Because he does. He, I, I mean, I think, like, back to 9 11, the Twin Towers, that's something that's that people shocking. remember. And that that's did change, that changed their society for worse. Right, right. It I didn't, mean, sure. Uh, it certainly Long term uh, hasn't brought out the best in, in, in us as Americans, in my opinion, or yeah. to our civil liberties, or sure. the things that we profess to hold ideal. So I don't know. Like, it, it can it be more horrific than something like that? Because, you know, there you go. Uh, Flash Gordon, uh, last emailer, said, I have a couple things to say about the film. Uh, it made such an impact on me because it's probably my first introduction to film noir as a kid. Ah. And that's the thing. Like, I envy the people that this was their first experience of things like that. Because I can, inst- I can see why that is, you know, would be an instant classic for them. Mm-hmm. A few things that make this film such a dark masterpiece are firstly the nonstop rain that makes it so bleak, the theme of trying to find a sliver of hope to grab onto in a sleazy, corrupt uh, world which ties into the Catholic sins and theology as a a theme with some really cool personal shots and uh, cinematography, Somerset at home, etc. 
the way that violence happens mostly off screen adds to John Doe's sinister's uh, nature so well and helps set such an effortlessly dark tone of the climax uh, of which a twist unlike the usual suspects had been foreshadowed but didn't see coming at all. Interestingly, because I didn't, I wish I had paid more attention to what was foreshadowed about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, other than establishing her as a character who was important to Brad Pitt and that they had a future together, and I guess Morgan Freeman essentially saying the reason I don't have a wife or child is because I don't want to. Put, okay, there I you mean, go. I guess that is some yeah, foreshadowing. That is. Um, finally, it's great in seeing Morgan, Spacey, and Pritt, and Pritt. And Pitt, all in their prime, yet nowhere near their current levels of fame. You also see a lot of uh, early Fincher themes in this. Uh, then he quotes with um, a, uh, a an essay from the uh, Empire Online uh, about Seven. Said, the message of all the killing is that the world is a truly vile place, and in their different ways, both cops are forced to accept John Doe's awful argument. As a shattered detective Mills is driven away, Somerset voiceover muses... Earning him, uh, Ernest Hemingway once wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. It's interesting because he said both cops are forced to accept John Doe's awful argument. I don't – I mean maybe it's true if you have this personal experience with something that you would be forced to accept that argument. But I don't – that I, I that, that doesn't work for me as society at large. Hmm. Like – you know, I don't have to accept the argument from people that think killing 3,000 people with jet planes is, you know, right. a way to get – it's like, fuck that. No, I don't have to do that. Sure, but I mean the the email are specifically saying those two have accepted it, and I yeah. guess on, on some level they have. Uh, certainly Brad Pitt yeah, uh, with his actions has accepted it. Why do you think he said – so the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Why? If the world's not a fine place, why is it worth fighting for? Like, uh, that to me to implies that he place. doesn't. Like, it's all we've got, so maybe fight to make the thing you've got better. I don't know. I thought it was interesting too when Brad Pitt and Morgan uh, Freeman were sparring. Mm-hmm. That Brad Pitt was like calling them on his bullshit. Like you say this stuff, but I don't think you believe it. And that to me is a logical contradiction. If something is not worth something, it's not worth fighting for. So I think that deep down Morgan Freeman does think that it's a fine place or that people like, you know, Brad Pitt's wife and potential children and his dogs are, are, you know, and and the common people on the street are worth fighting for. Yeah. I mean, as much as it's worth fighting to improve, I think that, that I agree with Morgan Freeman's statement there. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess what the term fighting for actually means, like, granularly. Yeah, and it's hard to say. Like, I sure. feel like cops, soldiers, social workers, emergency room nurses, they all have, like, fairly cynical dispositions because they have to. Sure, yeah. Um, but that's not representative of the, the world at large. I don't know. I'm, I've always been more of a, a hopeful optimist, I guess. So yeah. I... It's funny, though, because I, you know, from several of the emailers, I think that maybe I'm not, that's not a universal concept that, you know, yeah, there are patches of things that suck, but by and large, the world is getting better. I mean, that's my, uh-huh. that's what I go to sleep at every night thinking that, like, yeah, you want, you lost some, but the majority you're winning. Like, the way that the society is going in absence of an asteroid or world war or some kind of fucking Pandora virus is, is, is a place that I'm going to be, uh, you know, 
uh, uh, proud to see what my what my son's generation is going to end up doing things or, or how they're going to end up fixing some of the vexing problems because I feel like that's kind of what we do as a species we fix things and make it better and uh, go on but, yeah we at least try to I I think so um I'm I'm largely the same optimistic opinion mm-hmm. and that's the thing it's also yeah the world's mostly apathetic but because of that it takes a small much smaller portion of humanity that affect positive change it's true because at yeah. the end of the day people are not going to get excited you know, like unless you're really really doing something that threatens their you know ability to do the things that they want to do they're not going to care like okay sure. you know um they're they're apathetic about stopping bad stuff and good stuff so mm-hmm. all you need is a uh, you know 10 15 percent of people that want to make the world a better place I, I don't know what, how do we got into the Pony, Pollyanna podcast through seven, but here we are. Uh, but <laughs> that's to combat some of the dreariness, yeah, some of the violence and angst. Yeah, yeah. So I, and, uh, I guess you know, but the darkness didn't 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 touch me that that much on on the movie uh, from the movie. Uh, do you now if say they it? had sewn Gwyneth Paltrow to Brad Pitt to Morgan Freeman? <laughs> now we're talking. Who's the middle? Who's the second phase? Paltrow? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Fernando uh, and Flash Gordon, Jefferson B., Katie Gutierrez, Coco 2MC, Pool Jedi, Martin K., Shock G11, uh, Keith Alejandro, Ryan L., and Jay, my JNastyN67. Thank you for chipping Thank in. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> thank you to all you in particular. Uh-huh. Uh, all you in particular. Yep. Uh, thank you for supporting Bald Move and coming together to make this happen. Uh, what's up next for us, Jim? Next up is No Country for Old Men. Oh. That should be a good one. That's a good one. Uh, it's another community commission. Another so. crime thriller dystopian look into the savage beating heart of humanity. Yep. Can, can we stand this much darkness in our feed? Uh, this time with literally the most wrinkled man on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, you know, his eyes have reached maximum wrinkle. So it's moved on to his nose and cheeks, like (laughs) wrinkle resistant, traditional wrinkle resistant area. Just Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Is, is, I think he, at some point in his mid forties decided I want to end up like Freddy (laughs) Krueger. And just started going out with no sunscreen on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, uh, sleeping underneath a UV light. Yeah. Not sure what all's gone on to to the formation of that rocky crag. Geologists will study it for generations to come, but it's it's amazing. Yeah, and you have more of that to look forward to during yep. that podcast. Yep. So. at least forty five minutes of just marveling yep. at the the craggy, severe crops of granite that is. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones the face. Serengeti-esque face <laughs> of Tommy Lee Jones. The blasted Australian outback <laughs> nature. Uh, hopefully he's hopping with the tail inserted so that I can get some enjoyment out of this movie. <laughs> That's what we got coming up. Uh, if you want to commission your own podcast, go to baldmove.com slash shop. Check it out. Uh, say it at every po- I should say at the beginning of every podcast. Uh, baldmove.com slash shop. Click on the big film wheel and uh, it'll get you where you're wanting to go. And uh, we'll be back for No Country. See you then.